welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast that's all about the intersection between yoga and body acceptance. Today, my guest is the wonderful Hilary Canavy, a therapist and the co-founder of Be Nourished, which is based in Portland. So I met Hillary a few years ago online, and I have always just felt such a heart connection with her. Uh, she, she swears, and I think this is true, that we're always reading the same books, <laughs> even though we don't discuss it beforehand. So I'm excited to have her here with us today. Welcome, Hillary. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. It'll be a great yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start us off with our first question here, which is, what was your relationship with your body like as a young person? Yeah, that's such a, you know, I have this kind of like double answer when I hear that question, because in some ways I think um, I had a lot of privileges. Like I um, lived in a family that really celebrated who I am and really honored um, all aspects of my beauty. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, I'm really aware that I um, knew that my body was a problem at a pretty young age. Like my first recollection of that was looking at a class picture and I think it was second grade and noticing that, um, you know, my belly stuck out more than the other girl's belly stuck out. And mm. then that was, you know, I do remember this like felt sense of shame at that time. Yeah. And so, whereas, um, I didn't, you know, directly experience um, a full-blown eating disorder. I didn't have that kind of reaction, and I was supported. Uh, You know, I really did internalize a high degree of body shame, and then this just this basic idea that, you know, having a body that isn't the thin, celebrated body is a problem, and there's things you should do to fix it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and that was just part of my awareness going on. And I had a lot of really strong women in my family. And I think that that was also their normative experience. You know, that there was an idea that that was the body project. Like you could always be working on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was just, you know, the kind of that cultural normative idea that that is a worthy endeavor. Right. It's like it's not even thought about. Yeah. No, it's like second nature. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until my early twenties when I was starting to become a therapist that I realized, like, I really felt like I was living a double life with my body hatred because I, um, hated it so much, but then I kept trying to show up like it was okay. Mm. And so it was at that point I got introduced to a therapist that taught the language of intuitive eating and that changed, you know, everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. And now you bring that into your work at Be Nourished, right? Yes. I mean, intuitive eating was kind of the the grounding philosophy that I started to bring into my practice years ago. It's because there was a bunch of women in Portland who contacted me, and they wanted a place to come have a group and and talk about – they had all just had weight loss surgery, and Mm. they wanted a place to talk about why they still hated their bodies even though they'd lost – you know, 50 or hundred pounds and yeah. why their relationship with food wasn't better. And so that was really for my, for my part of be nourished, uh, kind of the birthplace, those conversations with the, the, mm-hmm. the and, um, because we do focus on how to have a relationship with your body that, you know, you can first stand and then that you actually want to be in. 
Yeah. And by relationship with our body, we're talking about our physical body, but then we're also talking about the home of ourself and our deepest wisdom and how we form a relationship that actually feels really nurturing and satisfying, you know, in, in all those, like, um, levels of connection with ourselves. Right. I love what you brought in about your own experience regarding how you felt about your body, even without, you know, a clinical diagnosis of an eating disorder or something. Yeah. And then same for the women in the weight loss group, weight loss surgery group who were like, wait a minute, I thought that this was going to make me feel better about my body. What I like about both of those examples is it's, I think there's sort of ideas that we have about who body acceptance is for and like what counts and that there's just so many different ways because we're all getting these messages, like no matter kind of what our bodies are. Yeah. And, you know, we've been set up from such a young age to think of it as really conditional and that somehow there's going to be some kind of better life when you solve this problem and it's going to mean that you have more value and you have more worth, you know, and of course that would be the antidote when you're feeling a lot of shame. Right. Because shame is that really painful feeling that arises from feeling like you don't belong and you don't have worth. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that we think about it that way. And it's so funny that the body acceptance, it's not funny. It's just, you know, it's, it's surprising that the body acceptance conversation is not about any of that. I mean, it's about it, but it's, it's about, you know, showing up for ourselves as we are right now. Right. Which of course is how we begin to heal shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that sense of self or being in the self, like you said earlier. Yeah. And finding out that those broken bits aren't so broken. Right. Those were never ours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, what's been important is not only as are those not ours, but I'm not the only person in the world who experiences that feeling. Yeah. I think when we don't talk about it, it feels so individual. And then when you start to learn more and, you know, connect with other people or however you come to this understanding, then you're like, oh, no, this is kind of the human condition in different ways. Like, we all have this to kind of work with. Yeah, it's it's alarming how how isolating it is when it's such a common experience. Yeah. Yeah. And that it is, like you said, part of the human condition. For sure. Um, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying just being, you know, just having this human experience can be so trying. We forget that. Right. Yeah. The nature of it sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's so many parts that I feel like aren't on the surface that we don't talk about. So we don't know those things until there's a reason or a way or whatever that we find out. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us aren't learning it from our families or from, you know, whatever sort of schools, um, learning systems that we had growing up. Yeah. I mean, so many women come to be nourished and, you know, one of the first things they say is like, this is the one area of my life I just can't get a handle on. Right. You know, everything else I feel so successful in, and it's just the one area. And we aren't, you know, because these conversations aren't happening, we aren't really about to question that, that maybe the solution we've been offered is the one that's actually creating the problem. Right. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I felt that way exactly. I, when I was like really getting into body acceptance, I. I had a master's degree. I was working on a second one. I had a great job. 
I was married. I was just like, all these things in my life are in place. Like, how can I not lose weight? And then exactly like you said, I was like, oh, this, like the thing that I'm looking for, for the solution. I love how you said that so beautifully. That's actually the problem. Like I have to have a whole new paradigm. Right. I mean, staying in this like endless cycle of trying to fix and trying to be better and trying to do better. Yeah. You know, it takes us so far away from ourselves. Yeah. Instead of assuming that we have it all, you know, we have what we need, that there's essential wholeness and that the cultural conversation and cultural constructs really are very distracting from our wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually related to something I wanted to ask you about, which is the idea of body trust, which I know is something that you bring into your work. And I'm wondering if you can tell us about what it is and sort of how someone would um, spot it in the internal woods, I guess, (laughs) so to speak. That's a great question. But it came from the from noticing that in order to bring health at every size philosophy, intuitive eating into you know to make that into a practice, it's really a practice of starting to trust and notice. You know, maybe just starting with noticing that your body has messages, right? Mm-hmm. And that um, because of all that we've been through around living in a body and in this culture, it's sometimes hard to know that the body can be a trustworthy or even compassionate um, place to go. Yeah. And so in our work, we, you know, we start with some kind of basic places, like how do you get beneath the neck? You know, how do you go in? Mm-hmm. How do you start to witness what's happening instead of naming or blaming or shaming ourselves for what's happening moment to moment? Right. Um, we do, we lean into intuitive eating for the hunger work aspect, particularly because it gives us an opportunity to notice that our body is a pretty powerful regulator, um, and that it can communicate to us like these basic messages that we've been trying to solve, you know, I mean, basic solutions to problems we've been trying to solve with our head only, Mm -hmm. like the super radical question, like, am I hungry right now? Right. Yeah. You know, and that's usually something that we're supposed to have. We've had more opinions formed about like when we should be hungry or, you know, um, how much is okay, how much we need, as opposed to kind of being able to go in and notice our body's own responses to that question. Mm -hmm. Like that we never had to be in charge of this in the first place. Right. So body trust is really about learning how to get out of your body's way mm. and let it be kind of a wiser source of information than it has been in the past. Um, and it's, a, you know, it's also a place of honoring the fact that there is a body mm-hmm. yes. level that, you know, a lot of the people that we see here really relate to the idea that they feel like floating heads in the world. Yeah. And that, you know, the body has been a place of pain, it's been a place of shame, it's been a place of discomfort, and we we can get pretty far away from the idea that, you know, like our heart's beating just for us, mm-hmm. you know, that there's some really beautiful things happening in all bodies, um, and really miraculous things that are happening in all bodies, and that's even for you, even if you don't like the way it looks on the outside, Right. and that that's something that is available to lean into. Um, so sometimes I think we're like ambassadors for creating a friendlier connection. Yeah. And I feel like that point about 
just remembering that you have a body is so huge because that's, you know, not necessarily step one. There might be a step before, but that's a pretty big like yeah. realization. And I definitely relate to feeling like, um, I really feel that the reason that yoga has been so helpful for me is that it helped me to really notice like, Oh, yep. feel your foot on the floor. Like I have a foot. It's I in contact with the floor. This is all yeah. happening. There's sensation happening. I remember when my was working with my therapist early on being introduced to intuitive eating and she invited me to like go for a walk around the block, but not for, you know, a quote unquote exercise, but to notice that I had energy that moved around in my body when I walked. Mm. And I never really noticed that before. And I was like 21 and been, you know, was way into therapy school and all that business. Right. And um, I'd never noticed that. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I was really fascinated that I hadn't noticed that and that it was happening. Right. Yeah, there's so many subtle level things that are going on when you can start to fine-tune your awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, we, we talk a lot about the idea of, um, you know, that body trust is a is a concept that's hard to step into you know it takes time and body love is a really tough concept that's available sometimes but maybe not all the time for right. everyone and but body respect is a place to start from mm. you know like can i can is respect available right now in this moment yeah could, yeah. could is there something about respecting my body that could be available at some point today yes and then we also talk a lot about getting C work and that's like, we want people to, you know, kind of do this most of the time, not all of the time, mm-hmm. you know, have a gentle introduction to something, to building practices and uh, not making this a new plan. Right. Cause that's so easy to do. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like shockingly that's easy to do. Yeah. I know my <laughs> mind is always wanting to make something into a plan. Right. Yeah, it never serves me. Right. Maybe for like a day, which you know it's debatable whether or not. <laughs> yeah, I I when I first started um, intuitive eating, I was like, oh yeah, I'll intuitively eat. Seems like my intuition's telling me to only eat carrots for a snack, and it's like. Oh, this feels exactly like what um, I was doing on my diet days all the time because I like couldn't switch yeah. out what am I actually feeling that took time. Right. Like where is it actually coming from? Right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. How do you encourage people in that process of giving at the time? Because I feel like that's really hard to trust. Going back to that body trust. When it it's when, when diets are like, oh, you can do all this in two weeks. Like that body trust does not happen in two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, we really want to honor the story, mm-hmm. you know, of what's happened so far and where people have come from. And we really try to create space and honor for the, the part that wants to continue. Yeah. Right? You know, that that's a, bit, that's a really big need and that that, that part is also wise. Mm. You know, that all, that all that we're thinking and feeling about this, all the, you know, all the ways we've tried to solve this problem has come from wisdom. Yeah. Right. And so there's this thing that happens that when we can honor our story is, you know, like I've been trying to fix this. I've been trying to feel better. I needed this to get through a period of time in my life, et cetera. Then we can hold kind of the whole story, our whole body story Mm. instead of, you know, this, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Um, I need to do something to change it. Like that short term story, because, you know, I want for, I, you know, I'd like everyone to know that, that 
the story of their body is is always present. You know, it's it's always informing the decisions that we're making from moment to moment. And that story is so precious and valuable and deserves to be fully honored and have the shame extracted from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise you can just make the fact that you didn't turn to body acceptance earlier or whatever, just another source of shame. Yeah, we can always do this wrong. And especially with bodies, because we don't, they don't end up perfect. They're always changing. Right. You know, um, what they need is always changing. You know, we get, we get sick. We, you know, sometimes we get pregnant. We get, you know, there's just all this stuff that happens to them and they, our experience of living them um, is quite changeable. And there's something about living in this culture that's taught us that we aren't, that they aren't supposed to change so much. Right. And they do. Right. And that if they do, then our job is to like get rid of that as soon as possible. Yeah. That thing is really wrong. Like that whole conversation, like how to get your baby, you know, your pre baby body back. Right. Right. I have been through pregnancies. I'm just like, where is there to go? Yeah. There's nowhere to go back to. Yeah. So, yeah. I was reading about the five core competencies. Yeah. I love those. Um, and I know that joyful movement is one of them. So I'd love to hear, have you tell us about your relationship with joyful movement, um, okay. as well as your relationship with yoga, if it's part of that. Sure. Um, so my, I would say in my own process that movement has been like the, the most confusing part of my process mm. of moving towards non-judgment yeah. around, um, around what I do with my body and how I take care of it. And so we are really pure in how we talk about uh, non or moving our body joyfully, which is like find something that's enjoyable and forget all the rest. Mm. You forget the time and forget how to do it right and forget all of that and find a way to let this be an expression of joy and pleasure, period. Yeah. And, um, and you know, Brene Brown often reminds is, has reminded me often her work that, you know, when we've done something to numb, you know, like dieting can often be numbing. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to numb it all, right? We don't just numb. Right. Numb the hard stuff. We numb. We numb pleasure too. We numb all the all the emotions, the positive and the so-called negative emotions. Right. right. So, it's interesting that in my own process that moving towards moving my body joyfully has been more about a process of letting in joy and pleasure again mm-hmm. than it has been about developing a practice of movement. And one thing that, you know, when one thing yoga has done for me is let me make some of those friendly connections to my body and experience kind of the joy and pleasure of just noticing that I'm in a body mm-hmm. and that my body can do amazing things and that my body is strong, and that my body is healthy, and, you know, in, in imperfectly healthy. Right. Um, and yoga is a place where I've been able to kind of dig into that, that it's just me and my body, no one else is there. Mm. I mean, there might be other people around, but I'm not usually, usually ignoring them. Right. <laughs> as much as possible. And I, you know, and I get to witness just having a body and I get to witness that inside there, there's not so many broken places. Mm-hmm. 
and that everything is where it needs to be. And so I have given myself permission to go and do yoga when I feel like it. Nice. I know it's super radical. Unfortunately, it's like, I don't have to go twice a week, but it actually, yeah, it is radical. (laughs) It's really radical. I know it's funny, you know, because, but so, you know, my practice is one that is more a practice. My practice really of yoga is letting myself be non-judgmental about my practice of movement. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I mean, it's yeah. What is part of yoga? It's that first yeah, ahimsa, nonviolence, and compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. And then movement for me now is really about like feeling into my body and like if if in a moment I feel like doing some stretching, that I, you know, just being able to notice that my body wants to stretch is a big step. Mm-hmm. Process with my body or having enough awareness that like. I want to run a little is is part of that process too. So, so joyful movement for me is about connection. Mm, Yeah. That's such a great way to put it. What he's asking for. Yeah. And I don't worry too much about enoughness or, um, or what it needs to look like. Yeah. You know, I have two teachers in my house that are, um, five and two (laughs) nice (laughs) and they're boys and you know they basically move all the time Mm. and they're moving in the direction of what captivates them and what is bringing them pleasure and what excites them you know it's like it's like their little expression of their own heart soul work all the time yeah, and they're not worried about, have I done this three times this week? Or... <laughs> it hasn't taken on that body project mechanistic thing at all. Right. And so watching them has been kind of an inspiration. Yeah, just... that's cool. You have that um, little reminder there in the house all the time. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Sometimes it's super loud, but it's <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> I know you talked earlier about how our bodies are changing all the time, which I totally agree with. And I'm wondering how your relationship to body trust has shifted. So once you sort of felt like, okay, maybe I'm understanding this in my own life, in my own process, how that has continued to grow and evolve for you over time? Mm, That's such a great question. Something I'm super fascinated with, you know, is is how this process evolves, you know, like I think intuitive eating is, we're always beginners in a way Mm -hmm. around it. And, um, and I'm just super fascinated to hear other people notice that too. Um, so, you know, what used to be a very specific practice in intuitive eating or in trusting my body, um, has become really different since I had kids. Mm. Um, I mean, the whole business of taking care of myself after having kids has, you know, really shifted radically mm-hmm. because it's less of a conversation of like, do I want to, what do I want to do? But it's more like, what can I do? What's realistic? You know, what does my life allow me to do? Right. Um, and so I, um, I find that my current practice is a lot more about showing up compassionately and with minimal expectation of what I should be doing. Mm. 
and um, and letting my practice of intuitive eating be very different than what it was, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Because um, I, you know, it, it's even more or less, it's even become less about control than it was 10 years ago. Mm. So it's, you know, there's much more fluidity and flow to how I show up. And I constantly trust that I constantly have to trust that what I'm doing is enough. Yeah. And lean into, um, and lean into the kind of uncertainty and not being able to plan. And that, you know, that is kind of the bare bones of body trust is how do we go forward in grayness? Like how do we go forward when planning is not our best friend anyway? Right. And it keeps getting more and more gray for me. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So it's kind of becoming more organic, more gray. Like you said, I love that um, yeah, description. To, yeah. And it's led me to a place where my bottom line is that I, you know, my human form is sacred mm. and that, there, that none of this can matter when held up against that. Right. You know, that I'm having this short, precious, sacred life. Mm-hmm. And that is what's most important. And then the rest is, how I practice knowing myself more. Right. Yeah. Like you can tell me if I'm not, if this isn't exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying, but I'm wondering if part of it is the tools, you need a little more structure with the tools when you're first starting. Yeah, totally. And now a little less, but you can return to the tools whenever you need to. It comes up. And I miss them right now. Mm. You know, more uniformity of my practice. I miss the ways I got to show up. I miss, the flexibility but this is also far more um it's kind of more deep it's kind of more spiritual it's much more compassionate yeah I feel like that's so important like we can't say that enough <laughs> that, that you the need for the tools or just that your relationship to them it just changes because for me people will sometimes say like oh you just love your body all the time right and I'm like who are I'm like who are you talking to? Like no, <laughs> I do notice the change, and that's what I love about what you're doing. Is talking about yes, you can see change over time, but it's not like okay, well now that's over. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it's ongoing. I mean, it's you know this is a very humbling process. Yeah. It's very humbling because it's always shifting and changing. But we shift and change all the time, too. We're always growing and changing. So, you know, the bottom line is, like, can you trust that you are doing the best you can? Can you trust that the what your body has to offer you is rooted in wisdom? Yeah. You know, can you trust that your story is valid and important? And can, can you trust that there's always room to practice and learn? Right. You know, that there's always room to notice more. Mm-hmm. And that that's a gift. I think it took me a long time to learn that um, and yeah. that it's still unfolding for me, but that the fact that I'm finding new ways to be aware or awake or whatever the case mm-hmm. isn't a sign like, oh, I should have learned that already. You know, sometimes I can get into that mindset, um, Mm -hmm. but rather like, wow, this is just continuing to grow. And that is letting me know myself and my world and my relationships and my body and all of that better. And isn't that wonderful? Yeah. What else is there? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, you know, and I know that what I'm talking about is, you know, coming from, like, I've been doing this for like 15 years, probably. Yeah. This practice. And it's coming from, you know, kind of a deeper sense of the practice. Mm -hmm. And that if you're getting started, there's so much um, that it's okay to really honor and be afraid that of letting go the way things are and the illusion that we associate with weight loss and thinness and that all of that, you know, needs some really needs time and tender hand holding. Yeah. And that the only way that we start to move forward is to practice. You know, we can read about the stuff and we can endlessly and I certainly have done that. And, uh, <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, you know, if you want to learn to play the guitar, you have to pick up the guitar. Right. Um, and that there's a huge blossoming community of people who want to show up around bodies this way too mm-hmm. well and yeah. I know that this is part of what you offer so I'm wondering what's the mm-hmm. best way for people to kind of find out about how they can connect with you and your good work well I love to chat with people about this mm-hmm. and hear and hear what people are wanting here. So the website is the best place to check us out. Speednourish.org. And, you know, we do offer e-courses and retreats and all kinds of stuff. But I think our, our website is a really great resource for just kind of reading about and considering a way to show up and create relationship with your body that um, is rooted in your truth instead of somebody else's. Yeah, I agree. You have some wonderful resources, and I hope everybody um, listening gives those a a look. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being on. It was wonderful to talk with you, and I'm so grateful that you agreed to do this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Anna. Any chance to talk to you is a total pleasure. (laughs) Thanks. The feeling's mutual. (laughs) And thanks, everybody who's listening. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm.